Hi, and welcome to episode 73 of Walk to Work. So this past few series of episodes I've been kind of recording on the fly, literally uh, on the morning or the evening that of the day I'm planning on posting. Uh, so that's been a little bit stressful. It also means that uh, in my intros and outros I've been forgetting mentioning some things. So one of the things is um, Jess and I have been teaching these weekly online classes. Uh, and to be honest, that's been attendance has been a little bit challenging for us. Like uh, uh, we're barely breaking even, and all we have to do is actually turn up. Uh, but we have taught some of our most interesting content, uh, I think, uh, because the constraints uh, are very different than they are with uh, weekly classes or even workshop weekend classes. Um, and so the in-depthness is much closer to what you would get. Uh, with uh, like uh, intense training um, at uh, say um, in dance mode immersion camps or something like that. Uh, the other part of it is sort of honing uh, who our audience is. Uh, it turns out so some people really want to practice every week but it turns out in their lives that they don't. Uh, that's something we can help with. Uh, some people can't make uh, their weekly uh, local classes, um, maybe uh, because they're struggling with uh, illness and it means that the, the randomness of their energy levels being high enough uh, on a given uh, evening uh, to actually want to go travel half an hour to take a dance class, do some dancing and then travel half an hour back or an hour or whatever uh, is a little bit too high. Um, and on the other hand, if the class is in their living room well, they can take it or not take it, uh, and the, the, the cost to attendance is, is a lot lower. Um, an additional one is when you have very little blues. Hello, dog. When you have very little blues in uh, your local area and so don't have access to teachers. Uh, yeah, uh, so people uh, have been really uh, saying nice things to us about them. Uh, you guys should come along. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Jess and Greg. Uh, weekly online blues classes or if you don't use Facebook um, Jess and Greg at gmail.com uh, let us know you're interested uh, and that kind of joins one of the topics uh, at some point I want to talk about the way we've been structuring these uh, online classes in more depth because uh, I've been really excited about that um, and for today uh, I want to share uh, last a uh, couple of weeks ago uh, Jess and I uh, taught at a weekend event called Little Taste of Fusion and we were um, the teachers for the event which meant uh, we taught uh, three hours on Friday, three hours on Saturday, three hours on Sunday um, plus an hour of uh, practica, practice space uh, on each of the days after classes. Um, and what I'm excited about, uh, apart from, I mean, it, it went really well uh, people seem to really engage uh, with the, the, the material and to really appreciate the opportunity to try something new but not be forced into it. Uh, this kind of also because we're in a French context uh, where people are very much men lead, women follow um, and uh, the leads uh, tell people what to do and the followers just do it, which isn't entirely fair to the entire French dance community uh, but that is uh, slightly where things are or were and moving away from that 
uh, is a bit of a challenge for people. Um, yeah. Uh, so that was that was exciting. But the main thing is how uh, that I want to share is how we structured the weekend. Uh, so we started off with kind of oh yeah, people could sign up for any combination of days. So maybe people were there for the whole three days. Maybe they were there just for Friday and Sunday. Maybe they were there just for Friday and Saturday. Maybe they were there just for Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so that was one of the constraints we were working with. Uh, the other is that we were working, uh, we were uh, teaching one day of blues and two days of fusion. Um, and so I'm mostly comfortable uh, mixing blues and fusion together so long as we're making clear what is blues and what is uh, it's the same event as long as we're very clear um, in our understanding of what blues is and what fusion is and also aware that some students are not necessarily clear on that distinction and so it's important to simultaneously hammer it home uh, without um, over hammering yes good metaphor greg um and the, 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 the last constraint was kind of a self-imposed constraint. Um, if we're working three days in a row with mostly the same people and we have the opportunity to work nine hours with them, uh, there are various reasons that I want uh, to provide some kind of story arc over the weekend. Uh, so we discussed this uh, in the interview with uh, Jenny uh, a few months back, um, how, how challenging that is to put into place. Um, but also the, the, the value that can be found in that. And uh, so one part of it is uh, spaced repetition. If you're working on a thing on Friday, uh, you're only going to get so far with it on Friday. No matter how much you work with it, you can't. I mean, maybe you could devote three hours to one thing on the Friday. Um, but generally, if you had three hours to devote to a thing over the weekend, doing one of those hours on Friday, one of those hours on Saturday, one of those hours on Sunday is likely to be most effective. Um, then if you're teaching uh, nine hours uh, and say you were doing one hour classes, which we weren't uh, and probably wouldn't have done, but you could do nine completely different things and that would be way too much uh, for people to engage with uh, over the weekend. And that's the thing I've always found quite challenging in uh, the Lindy and Blues communities is this a class is one hour long and sometimes you have a two-part class uh, and often when people are teaching uh, a workshop weekend uh, the classes are designed to build um, I mean a, a single teacher event or a small number of teachers' events, uh, the classes are designed to build on each other and there's not uh, unrelatedness. Uh, but we often tend to think of classes as a class. It has a beginning, it has a middle, it has an end, uh, it covers some kind of topic, and at the end you can do a recap and say, that was class, join us next for doing this other thing that's related, but other. Um, and I think I mentioned how in folk dancing we tend to not um, do that so much. Like uh, I've done workshops where we spent literally an hour of a three hour afternoon uh, doing some kind of basic 
uh, and really drilling it and doing the repetition of it and not really getting anything cohesive out of that hour uh, that you could sort of take away. Like you couldn't just attend one hour, uh, you'd feel quite sad about it. And if you missed the first hour, which sometimes people do at workshop weekends, well, that wouldn't work too well either. Um, so yeah, providing um, uh, a story arc uh, has this space repetition. It has this um, build up uh, to make the story arc rhythm kind of longer and uh, so that you're not limiting yourself to one hour story arcs or one hour cycles. Um, and it has the opportunity to present fewer things to students over a weekend. So that instead of uh, over being overloaded with many things, uh, you kind of go deep into something and um, maybe more su superficially on a bunch of other things and create this kind of pyramid shape um, or inverted T-shape uh, in terms of the, the, the depth and breadth of what you're covering. Uh, and so the additional challenge we have is that people could come just for one afternoon of the three or two afternoons of the three uh, or two days rather. So what we did is we decided to focus on some themes across the whole weekend. Um, we picked uh, conversational dancing. So how uh, dancing or more generally how partnering interacts in dancing. Um, we picked um, spine movement as the second major theme and we picked rhythms as kind of a minor theme slash focus and it ended up that we didn't do that much work um, on rhythms um, mostly also because uh, although we'd uh, planned a whole bunch of things uh, then seeing how the students were dancing and how well they were doing uh, with various parts of what we want to covered, cover uh, we felt that um, they were doing pretty well with rhythms and we would have had to um, go really in depth uh, to uh, work more on rhythm um, to meet them where they're at and take them further. Uh, and that would have been quite the, we would have spent the whole weekend doing just that, I think. Um, and then each day we made into its own story arc uh, that has kind of cohesion um, in kind of bringing uh, the group together, ending the day on something uh, that's fun as opposed to mentally taxing um, and having those days kind of have slightly a story arc over the weekend. Uh, globally, Sunday was more gentle and fun um, and Saturday was more kind of hard working, working and mind taxing. Um, yeah. So, uh, the Friday arc uh, was blues. And that worked out kind of well uh, because we worked on uh, spine movement in blues. We worked on various directions of spine movement um, as a fairly general concept uh, because people mostly were already fairly familiar with blues um, and those who weren't uh, got something um, that, that they could engage with at whatever level they were at. Uh, so we covered like 
back and forward or wheel plane spiraling mov movement. Uh, we co covered twisty or table plane spine movement um, and we covered um, uh, side pendulumy or uh, door plane uh, spine movement and encourage people to just really explore those planes and combine them together and then kind of provided a bit of context um, by uh, <clears throat> putting them into some juking dancing, some ballroom in dancing um, and adding a, a, a small repertoire of rhythms that people could play with. So it was a very, here's a way to take your blues and explore some of it um, while uh, improving the quality and precision and variety of movement in your spine. And then for the partnering part, uh, as you'll see over the weekend, ARC4 partnering, that worked out really well because uh, we... Because um, 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 uh, uh, blues dancing provides its own uh, partnering style. So uh, mostly borrowed from uh, Damon Stone and other uh, teachers who teach, um, uh, inspired by some of his uh, teaching, is this idea... Um, the lead leads direction and momentum and the follow makes all the other artistic decisions. Um, and I think there's different ways of literally doing that that feel more lead or follow-y. But we sort of lent into that and be like, okay, what's the extreme version of this? Followers playing extreme attention to the music never not following because they're never not taking direction and momentum suggested by their lead um, and leaders you have to dance with your own body you have to dance to the music and you have to pay attention to the follower um, and provide direction and momentum that um, is clear uh, and makes sense and supports them in the rest of their artistic decisions so leading from that, <coughs> uh, that uh, interpretation of lead-follow relationship uh, in blues, uh, well, from the lead-follow relationship uh, between dancers uh, in blues, um, that set us up for exploring two uh, different kinds of lead-follow dynamics or partnering dynamics um, on uh, the Saturday and on the Sunday uh, as part of uh, Fusion. So our Saturday theme was staying very lead follow. So it means there's a person who is leading and there's a person who is following and working on um, the uh, idea process or the initiation uh, coming from either the leader uh, or the follower and ideally uh, that there's lead following happening and at the same time uh, there's conversational response, uh, um, responding to each other. Oh yeah, that reminds me other aspects of partnering in um, uh, in in blues, of course, call and response, uh, which we also addressed. Uh, so yeah, Saturday was saying 
we're not considering that the person who is leading or the person is following is the one who has all the ideas. We're considering that everybody has all of the ideas. Uh, and there's a slight difference in the way that we bring ideas to the dance when we're leading and when we're following. And um, we kind of scaffolded ways of uh, exploring that. Um, generally kind of with the idea that uh, your ideas aren't just your own ideas. So sometimes uh, people put in the, the lead follow dynamic that we didn't explore because uh, we don't believe in it very strongly is the one where the leader leads the things and the follower follows the things while doing their own dis dancing that doesn't disrupt the lead's things. And that's a very... Um, disempowering to follows approach although I, I mean I know that some people are very happy uh, as follows with with that approach but I know that I'm not particularly because it feels that um, follows are allowed to do things so long as it doesn't disrupt this other important thing that's going on uh, and the the dynamic we were looking for is that the leading uh, and the following important things that go on and then the way that the leader is dancing their lead and the way that the follower is dancing their following um, is going to affect what gets led next, why, where it gets led next, when it gets led next. Um, and same thing, that what gets led uh, affects the way uh, that the following happens. Like, does it feel like something that you can take your time with? Does it feel like something that you should be very accurate in timing with? Uh, and so on. Uh, and then the Sunday, uh, we explored a partnering dynamic that we were sort of struggling to uh, describe and what we arrived at uh, was describing it as not lead or follow. So another partnering dynamic that we didn't explore because a lot of people in Fusion have been uh, teaching classes based on that um, is basically that when you have an idea you switch to leading uh, and you introduce your idea and because everyone can switch that means everyone can lead and anyone can introduce their idea and I know that's not how people mean it but there's a slight uh, sense that the leading role is uh, the uh, ideaful role and the following for role is the not ideaful role and because everyone can do either role then everyone is empowered to be ideaful um, but we know that also people uh, can and might want to prefer to specialize as followers uh, and then there's no reason that uh, their dancing should not be uh, ideaful uh, and should not contribute uh, equally to, to both partnerings. So that was the other kind of lead follow dynamic we didn't explore. Um, and instead we wanted to explore a dancing without a lead follow dynamic. Um, that is the way we ended up describing it uh, it kind of feels like a both people following or a both people leading dance and the way that we described it is that both of you dance to the music but um while paying some amount of attention and respond uh, and allowing yourself to be influenced to some extent uh by the other person and for simplicity's sake, uh, we kind of made it zero-sum between being influenced by the music and being influenced by the other person. So if you're 10% influenced by the music, that means the other 90% of your mo movement comes from the other person. Uh, and vice versa. Uh, if you're 10% influenced by the other person, then the other 90% of the movement uh, comes from the music. Which isn't necessarily the case. Um, 
And we're interested in exploring uh, these dances um, where you're maybe both 100% influenced by each other. And that means that even the smallest uh, movement then starts to uh, ripple uh, from partner to partner as you influence uh, and you kind of keep the movement alive and that influence stays continuous. Uh, and so you, uh, and then exploring maybe if both people were having 10% input from the music and 90% input uh, from uh, the uh, from their their partner, it means that that 10% input from the music has to really grow uh, and be um, uh, maintained, kept alive. And so it's a little bit like watering a plant was the metaphor I came up with with that, in that the plant's going to keep growing and from time to time you have to put a bit of water into it. But then from that bit of water, the plant keeps growing uh, and doesn't need a constant input of water. Um, but it means that the dance is only sort of in total 20% input by the music because both of you are listening to the, are influenced by the music 10% and then both of you are influenced by your partner 90%. Um, and so we've then played with different amounts of influence by your partner uh, and by the music. Uh, and I found it really interesting because it's a dynamic where uh, it's, it's kind of a mix of the blues dynamic and the um, and the lead follow dynamic that we explored on the Saturday in that when you're blues dancing as a lead a lot of what you're doing is solo dancing like you would regularly solo dance um, and sometimes you'll deliberately provide direction and momentum so you will choose solo movements that provide direction and momentum but a lot of the time, your solo movements already provide direction and momentum, so you kind of don't need to choose them specifically to have those properties. Uh, and so this influence dance, uh, instead of me deliberately choosing my movement as a dancer when I'm leading to lead a side pass, um, <clears throat> I'm never seeking to influence my partner. So I'm never uh, in the in the Sunday version, in the influ uh, the mutual influence version. So I'm almost never going to create a movement that creates a side pass. Uh, instead, I'm going to just dance my solo dance. And if I happen to kind of shape uh, in a way that the side pass gets influenced into happening, well, that's just the the influence that uh, happened to be uh, taken by my partner. Uh, and so it just means that you're kind of solo dancing. <clears throat> the part that's influenced by the music is solo dancing with the intention of solo dancing. And the part that's influenced by your partner, there's never a deliberate influence by your partner for you to do something. It's always you who entirely chooses uh, your influence. Uh, and so in, in a sense, it's kind of more a follow-follow dance than it is a lead-lead dance. Uh, and so, of course... Uh, those two styles of partnering, the Saturday and the Sunday one, uh, match better slightly with uh, two um, uh, other things. So on Saturday, we also worked on um, leading with a lot of stretch uh, and um, leading with uh, zero stretch, um, which is complexly tied to leading with a lot of lag versus leading with zero lag. Um, or leading and following because uh, the, the amount of stretch slash lag was kind of leader's false choice or follower's choice. Um, and so it made for kind of very 
either close embrace traveling or close position traveling uh, or open position side passy momentumy based uh, movements um, whereas Sunday we went for something that was um, more um, micro based but then we did the macro version of the same thing so in micro I can kind of let ripples move through my body uh, in various ways or hits or um, small um, uh, staccato uh, movements, chest movements, isolations, various things um, and none of them actually lead my partner necessarily to do something uh, all of them um, are visible to my partner, are feelable by my partner and so my partner can be influenced by those movements or completely ignore them and obviously uh, completely ignoring them is going to feel a bit weird although also interesting um, uh, and completely only being influenced by them uh, would be really annoying as well I mean annoying uh, it, it would feel like they're interpreting my movement as a lead where no lead is intended um, and that would feel a bit weird for me and I would probably then shift to a dynamic where I am deliberately leading things seeing as that how, that's how my movement is being interpreted uh, so I guess that also points to a macro class, which we kind of went into, uh, which is picking, is the movement kind of deliberately leading um, uh, macro, I mean sort of uh, an umbrella class over Saturday and Sundays, uh, which is, is the dance that you're currently having one with a strong lead follow influence or one, um, or one with a strong influencer, influency influence, like what is your partnering dynamic for this dance? Which leads to a wider topic for me, uh, as I spoke uh, recently at uh, Euromicrofantasia, when you have fusion dances with people from various communities coming in, and you say, would you like to lead, follow, or switch? Um, even if you say, oh, I'd like to follow, would you like to lead? And that's agreed. One person leading and one person following can mean very, very different things to even the same dancer or to different dancers and it's so kind of interesting that actually my preference tends not to be to whether we I'm leading or following but whether I even want to have a lead follow dance or not whether I want to have a very switchy dance or not um, <clears throat> whether I want to uh, have to choose movements that, that, uh, that uh, lead my follow to do something when I'm leading um, if I want to interpret uh, every movement as having a intended response when I'm following uh, and those are very different uh, styles of dances that would be interesting to kind of negotiate so that's a thought for a, a fusion class I'd like to, to teach in the not too distant future um, so yeah then Sunday, uh, Sunday was this uh, micro thing but then keeping that same idea of uh, just being influenced by your partner and the music and putting it in uh, an open embrace context or even an open position uh, context uh, and seeing how that feels and it feels a bit weird and it's interesting and kind of has a sort of macro uh, dance and a micro dance going on at the same time we also did that layering where at a macro level uh, you're leading and following direction uh, or even leading and following everything like side passes and everything uh, and then at a micro level you're allowing yourself to be influenced by your partner's movement uh, and so that's some also some really cool uh, layering of partnering dynamics that you can do and you could also mix in some corner response with that you could also mix in uh, some 
um, uh, some some uh, some uh, blue style lead following, which is not to say that this is sort of a revolutionary idea that no one's thought of. Like that's how people dance, uh, and it's a lot out of how people blues dance as well, um, uh, and how people fusion dance. But it's an interesting way of thinking of it, for from my perspective, as a kind of deliberate teaching tool and deliberate training slash practice tool. Uh, to round off the, the the weekend, so we had these three conversational aspects on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, then Friday we had uh, blues and spine movement. Uh, Saturday uh, we had this stretch dynamic uh, moving across the floor, side passy kind of movements. Uh, Saturday we also had uh, rhythms where we kind of looked at different ways of finding rhythm in music and different ways of exploiting them and also different ways of sharing them. Um, and then Sunday, uh, so Saturday we had mostly no spine uh, movement, although we did uh, experience the rhythms uh, as hits that you could do uh, with your rib cage or with your sternum or with your shoulders or with your spine. Uh, and then um, Sunday we went back to spine movement with our Dance of the Baby Dragons class, uh, which is kind of thinking of our spine and pelvis as an internal baby dragon. Uh, and that exploits the, um, uh, the, the, the internal movement of the pelvis, thinking of the two pelvic halves as being little baby dragon wings that can make tiny little flapping motions uh, as the sit bones go in and out uh, and the pelvic halves swing counter to each other. Um, and then uh, you have the neck of the baby dragon is your spine and the tail of your baby dragon is the sacrum uh, that you imagine as extending all the way down to the floor and you can thrash it about. Um, and kind of the dance of the baby dragon is a sort of wanting to take off dance but you flap very slowly because you're a bit uncoordinated and you can't literally take off which is why you're a baby dragon and it's a really interesting way uh, uh, of exploring your own movement um, just thinking of uh, the internal movement of your pelvis sacrum and spine um, and then thinking of how we connect to another person and how we connect to their sacrum, pelvis and spine uh, movement by thinking of it as this baby dragon that we have inside us or um, in a kind of um, uh, dark materials uh, universe, um, Paul, uh, Pullman's Northern Lights, thinking of it as your uh, demon that's kind of inside you, but a little bit independent of you and doing its movement in a way that you're not directly controlling, but that you're indirectly controlling uh, with your macro movement. And that gives another kind of layering of lead follow, is you can lead follow the, the big movement uh, that you're doing with your legs and the traveling across the floor, and then you can let your baby dragons dance with each other in a kind of mutually uh, influenced way. Uh, and then because Sunday uh, is kind of a tiring uh, day, the, the baby dragons class is a really nice chill Sunday class. Um, where everyone gets sort of cuddly and cozy, which is a nice vibe for a Sunday. And then we finished off with a bit of uh, tango-y inspiration things um, that related to lead follow and the conversation we're having. So they were tango-influenced, not in tango technique, but in tango shape. Uh, so in the sense that people would be like, oh, that, f that looks a bit like tango, or that feels 
uh, a bit like tango, but someone who does tango, which Jess and I both do, wouldn't have recognized this as tango because it wasn't a tango class, it was a influence. And that's got me thinking also about what we mean uh, when we're doing fusion and we're saying we're putting uh, tango influence in our fusion. Um, I had previously always thought of that as you should put actual tango technique and movement. And there we took not actual tango technique and movement um, in order to not have to go into the depth of teaching tango. Uh, and that's a different style of tango influence than I had previously even considered sort of valid. So that was a really interesting experience. Anyway, so that produced kind of a cohesive Friday, obviously, because blues. Uh, Saturday, uh, the uh, having your own rhythms in your isolations and then uh, lead following uh, dynamically and in a conversational, responsive way. Uh, and then Sunday, having this uh, small internal dance of your baby dragon uh, and then layering it with a bigger dance uh, and looking at a partnering style that's more uh, influencing each other rather than deliberately lead following. Uh, and so that gave us this general rhythms was a very minor thing over the weekend, but it was still uh, uh, present and we returned to those same rhythms as often as we could. Um, and then uh, spine movement was a kind of major thing that we really benefited uh, from the space repetition uh, by doing uh, all the spine movement on the Friday, then a little bit of spine movement with hips, hits um, on, the, uh, on the Saturday, and then the baby dragon spine movement on the Sunday. And then uh, those three styles are of partnering across the weekend. Uh, so that was a really fun way of kind of planning classes and choosing what to put in and what to put out. And I think it fits into a wider thing that I've been wondering is sort of the top-down versus bottom-up idea of classes. Uh, bottom-up is sort of you think of all the things you want to teach and you put them in some kind of order and whatever the sum total of your class is, well, that's what it is. It emerges. Whereas top-down is sort of I would like to go through these concepts and this concept and this concept. Um, and often the top-down classes tend to be sort of very conceptual but it turns out that you still had to put it into something. It often feels like the only reason you're doing things is to illustrate your concepts and it doesn't feel sort of natural and fun and dancey. Uh, and I think the way we did that, um, having those overarching concepts, but then uh, having kind of individual day themes and then individual themes within that uh, made a really nice uh, simultaneously going top down so that you feel confident that you have a small number of concepts but also actually building bottom up uh, so that uh, your days feel coherent and that your individual not classes but I mean we gave a break about every hour so that those uh, what we were doing within an afternoon or even within an hour of an afternoon uh, felt like kind of it had a, a, a chapter coherence to it. Um, how do you like doing classes so that they have this kind of bottom-up uh, and top-down uh, feeling? That's the thing I'm curious about at the moment. Another, uh, what kinds of preferences do you have for your fusion partner uh, dancing? Uh, like, what kinds of partnering styles do you like? Do you prefer on any given day? Does that vary a lot? Um, and my third question uh, that I'm thinking of is this influence of other dances in fusion. If you're thinking of fusion as fusion of aesthetics, what actually do you consider a valid aesthetic to borrow from another dance? Um, 
does calling something that's not tango but that people might associate with tango does calling that tango influence count um i feel a bit iffy about it but we, we presented it very clearly as this is not a tango class um and so i hope that that's sufficient uh, as a caveat i don't know what do you think let me know i will see you next week until then take care <laughs>